Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the WinFL Show. I'm your host Ian McKinnon. I'm joined by Jake McGee and Dave Somerville. It's a special show today, gentlemen. We're doing this on a Friday as opposed to a Wednesday. It's the 2nd of September. How are we doing today? Are we okay? Lads, for the weekend, I think is the best way to describe this. But yeah, Jake, how are you? Uh, very excited, like you say. Weekend's coming up. We've got a very special episode, so lots to look forward to. Oh, yeah. We do indeed have a special episode, so let's not waste any time, gentlemen, and uh, we'll introduce our very special guest. So this uh, gentleman was uh, attended the University of Stanford. He was drafted in the second round of the 1993 NFL Draft by the Denver Broncos. He's played for the Broncos, the Lions, the Bears and the Chargers two-time Pro Bowler, first-team All-Pro in 99, is sixth all-time in kickoff return yards and holds the record for the most all-purpose yards in a game with 404 yards in 1995 against the Seahawks. It is my great pleasure to introduce to you Mr. Glenn Milburn. How are you doing today, Glenn? Hello, gentlemen. I'm doing wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, I know I speak for Jake and Dave uh, when I say that. So I understand that it's uh, eight in the morning over in Los Angeles just now. How's the weather? Yeah, well, the weather's wonderful at eight o'clock in the morning. Uh, It's been pretty hot here in Los Angeles, but it's normally the best weather anywhere uh, that I've ever been. But uh, we have a little bit of a heat wave here in California. No, I I think... uh, a heat wave to to someone in California is probably slightly different to somebody in Scotland. Can you tell us what kind of what kind of temperature ranges you're looking at? Well, yesterday um, it hit it hit 104 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, um, and I mean, it's been oh, it's been got, pretty hot here. It's been in the yeah. upper 90s, closer to 100 the last few days. Wow. We 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 have slight um we have gingerness in our genes. So that would be that would cook us from the inside if it if it goes anywhere in the 90s. Oh, oh no. No, no. I I I'd rather no. Just get send me to the North Pole any day of the week. Yeah, just that would be terrible. But uh yeah, that's oh Oh, For, that, that would be what, what would that be about 40 degrees celsius I 40 think. 40 today so yeah 104 fahrenheit my goodness no no i'm busy um, that day no thank you <laughs> <laughs> so uh so glenn uh, obviously we've got a, a few things to talk about we've got we're in pre-season but we're so close to the regular season now um can you tell me is there anything in particular that you've seen in pre-season or in the off season that's really piqued your interest looking forward to is there any teams you're particularly looking forward to seeing uh in week one this year well i can tell you a recent announcement a recent um extension by russell wilson for the denver broncos that was one of my former teams and so i've been following their transactions. I like what they're doing. I like the way that their team is shaping up this year. Uh, and that's a pretty big extension for a quarterback. But it, it's almost as though everyone, every team in that division in the AFC West has a strong quarterback. So it's almost as though Denver had to to make this extension possible for Russell Wilson because without it, they run the risk of losing a, a, a very good quarterback, um, you know, a top 10 quarterback in the league. And you almost need one to be able to compete just to get out of your division. 
Um, so that, that was interesting. And I think training camp in general is, is one where you don't see a whole lot um, with most of the teams that, that, that have a solid quarterback. You hardly ever see the quarterback in, in the preseason. But, um, you know, it's also training camp is also a good time to see the rookies and how, how they're developing and how they're going to be uh, fit into a team. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, Glenn, you know, you yourself at one time were a rookie when you when you were drafted. I, I would love to ask you, I, I'm going to be honest, you're the first NFL player I've ever spoken to in person. Um, that he knows of. That, yeah. well, that I know of. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, I just want to get, what was it like on draft day for you when you're sitting there? Were you, were you waiting for a call? Were you anticipating a call? And what was your feelings when you finally found out that you've been drafted uh, by the Denver Broncos in the second round. Yeah, so for me it was it was really an interesting time, quite a bit different than than the way the draft is nowadays. Back in the early 90s when I was being drafted, I didn't know exactly where I would go. I would people had had projected me as either a late first or all the way to a third round draft pick. And so um, ESPN at that time was the covered the draft. There was no NFL Network, there was no big Radio City Music Hall, you know, big production uh, for the draft. It was it was literally they had it in a hotel conference room, and then um, ESPN would set up these outposts in different cities across the country. And so I'm I'm in the I'm in Northern California at Stanford getting ready for the draft. And I get a call from someone at ESPN saying, hey, we'd love to fly you and your family to Atlanta, Georgia for the NFL draft. And I said, okay, okay that, that sounds good to me. As long <laughs> as you're paying for the bill, that, that sounds great to me. And so they flew me and my family all the way to Atlanta, Georgia to, a, to some sports bar. And they're, um, one of their sportscasters, Andrea Kramer, was there and they had me and about I guess 15 other top potential draft picks all in in this sports bar with it was a really large sports bar it was almost like if you've ever seen Dave and Buster's I don't know if they have that in Scotland but it's a big big sports bar with television screens you know probably 30 television screens sports memorabilia all over the location and you know, they had these red telephones, these landline telephones that looked like, you know, the old Batman series where the bat phones. Oh, the, so whenever the red telephones. Called, <laughs> yeah, they had landline telephones back then. And so, you know, we were all sitting in this room, nervous, waiting, anticipating the draft. And when one of those red phones rang, they had one for each player. And I knew which one I, I had. And so we're all watching the draft on these television screens and just waiting, waiting. And, you know, I didn't have a cell phone back then. They, there was no way to contact me directly except through these bat phones. So um, it was just a nervous time. I remember just sweating and waiting and, oh, I've talked to this team in the past. Maybe they'll pick me. And then they didn't. And then I'm waiting in, in another three or four picks. Oh, I remember talking to this, to this team. And then they didn't pick me. And then eventually I just stopped listening. I said, oh, well, 
I'm just going to try to, you know, I went to the back of the restaurant to try to call my agent. And, and right when I walked back there, someone comes running out and says, hey, your phone's ringing. And, it, and I didn't know who would answer the, who was on the phone. And my agent says, hold on a second. I finally get a hold of my agent. He says, hey, someone's calling you right now. And all of a sudden, it was the Denver Broncos. It was uh, Coach Wade Phillips, who was the coach at the time, was calling and asking me, was I interested in being a Denver Bronco? Which is the most rhetorical question you can ever ask someone. <laughs> That's my draft story. I'm, I, I was really excited. None, none of the waiting mattered. Once you hear the, you, you get that phone call, you know, it went from anxiety and nervous tension to complete euphoria. And uh, being being from from Stanford yourself, obviously that was where John Elway uh, went to college, and there was also other players like Jim Plunkett, Ernie Nevers, uh, James Lofton. Did you sort of look up to guys like that when you were coming out of college, or when you were in college? I should say, did did do you look at sort of past alumni from these places? I did. In fact, before I got to Stanford, the summer before I arrived at Stanford, I trained with James Lofton because James Lofton is also from Los Angeles and he lived he lived here and he, he also played for the Raiders, the, the Los Angeles Raiders at the time and before he went to the Buffalo Bills. So I became good friends with him and training partners. Um, he ran track and, and was an All-American at Stanford and was a great NFL player, NFL Hall of Famer. So yeah, I followed these players and I saw Jim Plunkett occasionally. He'd come to a few games and he lived in 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 the area. Uh and then obviously John Elway, I had never met until I was drafted by the Broncos. But John Elway flew me out to his golf tournament after the draft and I got to play my first round of golf ever at his tournament and completely embarrassed myself. But <laughs> you know, to be in the the room with Players like John Elway and Dan Marino and all these famous NFL players that came out to play in John Elway's tournament, it was like, wow, I've, I must have arrived because I'm now surrounded by these players I, used, I was only watching on television. And now they're, they're walking around in the same room I'm sitting in. So it was, it was, it was a, a bit surreal at first to be playing, you know, playing with these, the players that I once, you know, just watched on TV as a high school football player or a college football player. And now these are these are people I'm walking on the field and competing against. Joe Montana, Steve Young, just the list goes on. Well, obviously, I don't want to take up all your time myself. I'm sure Jake and Dave have probably got a couple of questions for you as well. But one thing, one final question from me is, has your golf game improved since then? <laughs> Well, my golf game it hasn't gotten much better. It's it's improved, but I guess over the course of twenty years, some if you do something enough, it, it, it's it, there's got to be some improvement. Um, I, I am not I'm not Tiger Woods reincarnate, but <laughs> by any means, but um, you know I'm a I'm a good scramble golf player now. So me, which, which only means I can I can make a good shot every four or five shots. I did. I think it's a lot better than I can do, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> Jake, did you have any uh, questions for Mr. Milburn? Absolutely. I mean, like I say, just a, an honor to, to share the same space. Now, you mentioned the, the draft process, and one of the 
best additions I feel in recent memory has been the Stanford head coach David Shaw. I think he brings a really unique perspective and he comes across you know very well. I mean Stanford get uh, kicked off tomorrow I believe um, their first game. Now I would like to ask a question about uh, someone who came from Stanford last year um, Davis Mills. I don't know if I could get your, your thoughts on him you know how, how you think he's going to progress into the second year and, and just really if you, you still keep um in touch with you know stanford i do i'm i'm especially because i still live in california i follow the team i typically go to their game when they play in they play either ucla or usc here in in the la area and then i'll try to go to a game up at stanford when when my schedule allows it but David Shaw and I go go all the way back. We were teammates at Stanford. He was a wide receiver when I played, uh, and his dad was our defensive coordinator. So I've known David Shaw since he came out of high school, and uh, I think he's the perfect fit for Stanford. Um, they play conservatively, but they are really a mistake-free type of football team. They play tough, physical they don't make mistakes to beat themselves. And they're, they're the type of team under his leadership that seems to find a way to make the game close and a play here, a play there. They, they can end up beating a team that they weren't predicted to win Again, So they've, they've always had that, that knack to be in a game until the very end. So I, I think this year they, they open up with Colgate tomorrow. That should be a win on their schedule, uh, but they have some tough games ahead this year. You know, they play Notre Dame, who's going to be a very good team. They play USC, who's predicted to be a very good team. And you know, the Pac-12 is is going to be a. They have games they 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 should win, and they have games that they have a chance to win. Uh, and how that relates to Davis Mills is the quarterback that he he is in terms of physical ability is is very good i think this the houston texans saw that last year uh he was he was someone that didn't really get to showcase his full repertoire at stanford just because the way that their offense is structured it's a very balanced offense and they would prefer to run the ball more than pass they throw to the tight end a lot but davis mills um has a lot of potential and a lot of upside. And I think he's with a with an organization that believes in him. And I think he should take a real leap to the positive in his second year. I, th- I think you're, you're absolutely right. And I think um, David Shaw had said, you know, if he was to be in the draft this year, he probably would have been the first quarterback taken. I mean, he definitely went under the radar last year and certainly one to look forward to this year. Now, in terms of uh, yourself, uh, the only other question that I could really wanted to ask um, was, did you ever experience, um, whether it's teams or just specific games, where they punted or kicked away from you? Because um, to me, that must be basically the biggest compliment you can receive. And <laughs> I, I, I kind of think of the, the 2010 uh, game between the, the Giants and the Eagles, where the Giants, all they had to do was kick the ball out of play. But they decided for some bizarre reason to kick the ball to Deshaun Jackson, who scored the first yeah. punt return for a touchdown to end a regulation game. So, you know, it seems a simple thing. You, you see someone like yourself back there. I'm the punter. I'm probably not going to kick it to you. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, there, there, were, there were some occasions that that did happen. 
and and the reason why is you know it is a, it is a compliment to the way the special teams unit has been playing. You know, I I I was the being the returner. I'm always the 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 fortunate player that gets the attention and the credit. But the special teams unit as a whole is the one that really is responsible for creating the holes and creating the the schemes that are able to allow me to be successful. So, yeah, it's it is the ultimate respect when when a team kicks it. You know, they either kick it out of the end zone or they they punt out of bounds. They punt it to a to a corner or direction that nullifies a punt return or they punt it really high and short just to make sure that a fair catch is made. So all of those things have happened to me in the NFL. And even though it's frustrating at the time, understanding the larger context of the respect that you're getting from the the opposing team and the opposing kickers and punters, you know, it's a sign of respect and and but you know, as a player, you want to you want to make an impact on the game, and so there's always this this kind of balance of intention between yeah, you know, we're getting good field position if they punt the ball short, or if they kick the ball out of the end zone, or kick the ball out of bounds, we're getting the ball at the twenty five, or, or you know, if they kick it out of bounds, even better. So, but it it just it's a better feeling when I can catch the ball and, and return it 30 yards or 40 yards and put us at the 40 yard line. So no one goes on the field to, 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 to just have their uniform clean at the end of the day. So you want to play, you want to get, get in the mix. At, at what point, Glenn, do you, if you, you know, returning a punt as an example, obviously you can call for a fair catch. We know this, but you know, well, at what point do you make that decision? I'm I'm casting my back, mind back to the early '90s, the early to mid '90s there, and uh, I don't know if if uh, you ever played against the Buffalo Bills when Steve Tasker was there covering kicks, um, and I must be quite terrifying <laughs> having all these guys coming towards you at a hundred miles an hour, and you're thinking, do I do I call fair catch or do I try and make the first man miss? Uh, what what sort of thought process goes through your head? Just to that specific. Yeah, the moment. thought process there. It's a. It's really a feel. The first time I ever returned a punt in college, I remember, you know, in practice we caught them, so I understood how to catch a punt. But when you're in the game and the and the, the crowd is cheering, and those players are running down, and I remember vividly seeing this player run down unblocked right down the middle of the field and I'm sitting there and my eyes are looking up in the, to the sky at the ball coming down. I'm looking, then I look down at the player running toward me. I look back up to the sky toward the ball coming down toward me. I'm looking back at the player. I'm going, you know, you're going this back and forth and you're saying, can I catch this? Can I catch this before he gets here? And the first time I ever did it, the answer was no. <laughs> I, hit, I, I, I got hit right when the ball was coming to me, so I, I held onto the ball, but but I had a stomach, a helmet right into my stomach, and I just remembered there's a, there there's a there's a thing called a fair catch signal that I need to use, and um, I learn you learn over repetition to get a feel for when to make that decision, and and sometimes it, it's really about where you are in the game. 
you know, is it is it really worth making a big risky punt return when your team is up by three points and it's less than two minutes to go in the football game? Make the fair catch, make the make the smart decision, and your team can just down the ball and win the game. You know, if you're down by a touchdown and you need a big play, you may take more risks. That's that was my philosophy. You know, I'm a returner that can make an impact, but I also want to be smart and not put my team in a tough position. Having that game management, like you say, it makes a lot of sense. And and sometimes, as you mentioned, it's not always the fun thing to do, but it's the, the, the right thing to do. And, and we here on the NFL, we, we absolutely love special teams. So it's certainly something we'll be keeping an eye out um, going forward uh, and something we look back fondly with. So that's uh, the, the questions I had. I, I thank you very much for that. And I will pass you on to Dave. And if Dave has any questions. Oh, Jeff, wait till I roll my sleeves up. Oh, I, I, I've been waiting for this for such a long time, sir. So I th- first of all, I'm Dave. I'm a Rams fan. Okay. So, you know, I'm in no way a glory hunter. I've been there through the Jeff Fisher times as well. So um, <laughs> I, I, I've been there completely. Um the, the, what, there was one um, player that is quite closely associated with you, not directly, but uh, I wanted uh, to get your thoughts on uh, the season coming up. Not from the Rams, but one Christian McCaffrey. Now, I believe that you played with his father um, when you were at the Denver Broncos, but he's also Stanford alumni as well, uh, as, uh, as is his mother, who was a soccer player. Um, for Stanford so you know some serious kind of um, college connections there but I wanted to see what your opinion was on uh, Christian McCaffrey because I think obviously if he stays healthy but you know with his injury past do you think that he's going to be the player that we know he can be but you know they may be taking a different approach the Panthers Um, but I want to hear your thoughts on it as well. Well Dave first of all great question Um, I actually played uh, one season with with Ed McCaffrey at Stanford mm-hmm. as well. And I knew his wife. I knew Lori. Um, um, I knew, so I knew the McCaffreys when they were, when, when they were just a, a, a couple um, at Stanford mm-hmm. and I'm a huge Christian McCaffrey fan. You know, we wore the same number in college. Wow. He broke all the records I ever had at Stanford. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to bring this up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I want to change change my question though. It's fine. It's a bit of a sore subject. I'm I'm joking. Um, no, he had an incredible collegiate career, and it was very deserving of of being taken early in the draft, and got off to an amazing start to his NFL career. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he's had you know, a tough go of injuries, uh, last season. And, you know, he hasn't really played a lot, if at all in the preseason. So it's hard to, to say whether or not the injuries that he suffered, you know, he had a hamstring injury, he had a high ankle sprain, you know, those are not injuries that are career ending or debilitating injuries. Mm-hmm. So, I think he has a great opportunity this year to pick up where he left off. Um, but the other part of it is when you're looking at the Carolina Panthers, teams are automatically going to f- know we have to stop Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. And, you know, a 17 game season, 
the wear and tear that a running back takes, and he doesn't come off the field either. So he plays, he, he's a high usage and a high impact player. You know, if they continue to use him like, like they've used him in his first couple of years, you know, it's, t- it's tough to, to see how someone can last a full 17 game season and play at the level he's played. As, as we know, father time is undefeated. You know, mm-hmm. I think he will get off to a great start. And if he can stay healthy, he has he has the opportunity to pick up exactly where he left off. I just hope that they use him sparingly and and don't overuse him early, so that he's not there at the end of the season. No, I, I, I you, you're kind of echoing what I was thinking myself with his progression for next year, um, or well for the upcoming season. I think uh, my own kind of thinking is that they may have to change their approach, the Panthers. Uh, in regards to, um, I'd I'd say re- the reliance that they have had in the last few years on, on himself, which has led to these injuries. Like you said, they're not career ending, but they're going to have their impact. And the more you pick up over the course of your career, you know it, it's it's going to catch up with you at some point. So um, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I just want to do your thoughts on it, but you know that that's fantastic. I I was obviously looking into uh, more finer details uh, of your own career, and you know, uh, looking into your college career as well at Stanford, and I I couldn't believe that there was such there were so many kind of branches uh, with your connections to Christian McCaffrey. But um, I think the only other question that I really had was I want to know what how you felt uh, when. A, you scored your first touchdown in the league, but also when it hit you that you thought, "Yeah, I've made it in the NFL. I, I've I've made I, all the hard work has paid off." What was there a certain moment that you can think back to um, that to, to sort of put your finger on it? Really. So I think, fortunately for me, my first ever regular season professional game was in New York at the old Meadowlands Stadium against the New York Jets. Wow. And I scored my first touchdown in that game. So in part, the, that game was my validation in coming out party. I had a, I had a really good game. I had a, almost broke a punt return for a touchdown that game. I had you know some really good third down receptions at a 50 yard reception at a 25 yard reception for a touchdown. So that game in, in itself was to me validation and, and really boosted my confidence to know that I could play it at this level and have an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until the end of the season when you get the validation, you get the recognition all rookie or, your, um, you know, my second year, I had 77 catches and, and at that time it set a Bronco record though. That was again, another level of validation that look, I'm doing things that haven't been done on our team. Yeah. And then my third year I went to the pro bowl. And so that was again, another level of recognition. Now I'm being recognized by my peers and by fans that I am someone that is one of the best at what I do. So, you know, there are different levels of, of recognition. It's kind of like when you, when you first get to school, well, do I fit here? Yes. You know, I had a good game. I, I think I fit here. 
And then as you progress into your career, you begin to, to get acknowledgement from your teammates, then you, other, your, your opponents, and then fans. And then that, that's when you really begin to see, well, okay, I've, I'm, I'm one of the, I'm considered one of the best at what I do. And that, that was a good feeling. No, that that's. It, it, I don't think I could ask for a more perfect answer. But honestly, it, thanks so much for that. I'm going to hand it back to Ian just because I don't want to take up too much more time. But honestly, from uh, for for your answers there, thanks so much for myself. So, um, well, uh, Dave's right, Glenn. I think we would happily sit here for eight hours just talking to you, but obviously we can't do that. You can't. Uh, precious time. So let's have a look at the upcoming NFL season. Um, do you have your own sort of ideas, predictions of uh, which teams would be division winners or uh, or even division losers? Uh, do you think it'll be any worse to first this year, perhaps? Or what, what do you reckon? Well, I think I think the Broncos have a good chance of surprising a lot of people in the AFC West. I actually think the Chargers will win the division. Strangely enough, Ooh. I played for the Chargers. I think that they have they have the pieces in place, both offensively and defensively, to really make a difference in in that division. You know, the Chiefs will be good, but the Chiefs may slide a little bit because defensively they're not as strong. The receivers aren't as strong. The Broncos will be good. The Raiders will be good. The Raiders have an excellent defense. They've upgraded their receiving core with, you know, adding Devontae Adams to, you know, Hunter Renfro was already there. He was a great kind of interior slot receiver. But I'm thinking the Chargers are going to win the AFC West this year. Um, we go to the the NFC. Um, or let me let me stick stick in the AFC. The AFC. I think the Bills. Are still the the odds-on favorite to win the AFC East, and I think I think the Titans will will win their division. I think that's the AFC South, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. I think they will win because if Derrick Henry stays healthy, who's going to stop them? Uh-huh. Yeah, he's just so he's such a just a physically dominant player, and I haven't seen anyone just stop them. I think my own prediction you know. was the Colts for the South. Uh, I'm sort of banking on on Matt Ryan being a huge upgraded quarterback position, but you're right about Derrick Henry. You know, they they could. I mean, they have. I think they have a more balanced team than the Titans do. But um, I tell you, in in late in in late in the winter, when it starts to get the weather starts to get get a little sketchy, you're going to need a running game. And the Colts have that too. The Colts have probably the best running game outside of Derrick Henry with Jonathan Taylor. But when you have to play outdoors, you know, I just like the way that the, the Titans have built their their roster. I like uh, I like what they've done over there. And that's the case. And that's the case. You know, you've got you've got you've got the Bengals, right? You've got the mm-hmm. the Ravens, right? Mm-hmm. I think it All comes right. down to those two teams, really. I mean, the Steelers, I think their quarterback situation is going to be their undoing this year. I think, oh. you know, it's hard to go against the Ravens. Um, but I really I really like what Cincinnati's done. You know, if they don't screw it up, there, there's this there's this metric that Super Bowl losing, losing teams don't do well in the, in the next year. But I, I think that the Bengals can can buck the trend and they can actually 
do well this year. They still have great receivers. If they can stay, you know, Joe Burrow's going to only get better. Their defense was strong. They almost won the Super Bowl by, you know, fourth and one. Yeah, by a hair. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. Don't worry. Just, but, but my borderline heart attack nearly you know, rem- remembers that. Don't worry about that, Glenn. Yeah, Glenn, I was going to quickly ask you, um, what, what do you think about the Steelers quarterback situation? Because uh, beside me, I've got two massive Mitch Trubisky fans, whereas I'm not. <laughs> to, to, to put it nicely, but um, do you think this? Do you think at any point this season we may see Kenny Pickett take over as a starter? I I do, and I'm I I'm not necessarily a Mitch Trubisky fan. I was a bear, you know. I played for the Bears mm-hmm. for four years, and I just thought he was wildly inconsistent. Maybe he got a little bit more criticism than deserved, mm-hmm. but he really hadn't didn't show me a lot of confidence when he was playing for the bears. You know, he, he's good with, you know, using his athletic ability to run, run the ball, but just passing wise, he was inconsistent and didn't seem to make very good decisions. Um, I think there will come a time. I mean, if preseason is any indication because Mitch Trubisky was fighting for his life in preseason and Kenny Pickett was just out there, you know, again, he wasn't playing against the, the first units most of the time, but he just looks like he has that it factor. Mm-hmm. The way that he played in the preseason was, I'm moving the ball, I'm making good decisions, I'm accurate. Um, the team is building confidence behind me and in my direction. You know, they were talking about him, him his small hands at the during the draft, but it didn't seem to affect his ability to throw the ball in preseason. And so I think at some point the Steelers will, you know, I think they'll do the right thing by, by starting Trubisky. Um, but I think eventually it'll be Kenny Pickett's team. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. So Ian and Jake just, shh, that, that, that Glenn, <laughs> Glenn is on my side here. I'm sorry, so. No, 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 no. Don't apologize for being right. It's okay. Maybe I was dazzled by his good looks, but I think <laughs> I, I echo some of what Glenn said in terms of I, th- I think he did get a bad rap and, and took some unfair criticism com- considering the situation. So I, I am rooting for him. I'm not saying he's, you know, a Hall of Famer. I'm just saying <laughs> I'm rooting for old Mitch, but I also think sure. that. Even if he has half a bad game, uh, the Steelers fans are going to be clamoring uh, to see a bit of Kenny Pickett. So yeah, it's just a matter of time as well, I think. It's it's almost the opposite situation to what they have in San Francisco. Because I think that we're looking at Trey Lance is going to be the starter. The young guy is going to be the starter and the slightly older head is going to be behind him. Um, and yeah, I, I'm everything you've said is absolutely right. <laughs> However, I'm I'm rooting so hard for Mitch Trubisky. I thought I thought he got a terrible rap in Chicago because it wasn't his fault when he was drafted. He didn't ask to be right. traded up for and second overall ahead of Patrick Mahomes. That's not on Trubisky. So uh, uh, I will defer to your knowledge in this, Glenn. Absolutely, but uh, I'm still rooting for Mitch. <laughs> Fair enough. 
think I'd move over to the um, the NFC and, and just say, you know, the Rams have a very good shot of repeating uh, in their division. My man. <laughs> yes, absolutely. like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I'm a closet Vikings fan, but I, 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 I don't. My 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 heart says I I really like the Vikings. I like Dalvin Cook. I like Kirk Cousins. I like their receivers. But um, I would venture to say the Packers are still probably the best team in that division. Okay. I like the Cowboys winning the NFC East, even though I think Philadelphia will surprise some teams this year. I still like the Cowboys, and um, don't break my heart with the South. Them. <laughs> the South. So, so I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll jump in here. Glenn, uh, Jake's a Saints fan, so he would love it. Don't break if you my said, heart. Just lie to me, okay, Glenn? Just lie to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Saints have a shot. The Saints have a shot. I think the Saints' ability—if they can keep Jameis Winston out of the training room—I think they'll be just fine. Michael Thomas, if he can stay healthy, I really think that's the key to their team. They'll their deep their defense will will, will be okay. Dennis Allen is a defensive coach by by nature, and so I think they'll be fine. I think I think they have a shot of winning their division. That's what I like to hear. That, that, I feel better already. There you go. Who do you think is going to be the first on the sack list this year for the the head coach positions? Um, because I my kind of money, I, I I don't want to say it, but Mike McCarthy, I think, could actually be under threat this year. Yeah, I, I I think that would be one that I would keep keep close. Mm. Seems like under his tenure, they've underperformed in combination with Jerry Jones's kind of management of the team. He's very very involved as an owner and, and slash general manager. And I quotes, I think that they they've just not you know have they done any better with. McCarthy as they then then with um Jason Garrett. I mean yeah. the record the record is pretty 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 similar. And on top of that, they they're in a win now mode. And if they don't come out the gates, this could be this could be it for him. Another organization that could see a change is you know the Ravens. You know, the Ravens are even though I like their coach, John Harbaugh is a really good coach. <laughs> yeah, Stanford alumni. Well, John Harbaugh is the brother of, J- of oh Jeb. Oh yes, there's too many Harbaugh's kicking up. Too many Harbaugh's. Yeah, I, I think you know. So I have three and three that I'm thinking about: McCarthy, Jim Harbaugh. Just if they if they don't make the playoffs this year, could it be Lamar Jackson calling for a new head coach? Right? Could it be you know? that organization saying we need a change we're no longer getting the results that we we want out of out of the current leadership mm-hmm. and then you know kind of a another one that's in flux is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Ooh, you know man. Bruce Arians left kind of in the middle of the night right he just kind of left with no real expla- explanation and Todd Bowles who's been a head coach is now there but you have really Tom Brady kind of there as someone kind of not really being coached, right? He's as old as Todd Bowles, right? 
And, you know, he's got his own personal things he's dealing with. And so if they all leave, you know, and they don't perform well this year, could there be a change there? Because Mm -hmm. I I know the Glazer family is itching to get back, keep that, keep that momentum because they have players there. They, they have players there that don't have many years left to, to win a Super Bowl. I think just what you mentioned about the Glazer family, they're not the most popular uh, family in the UK either because obviously they're they're invested in Manchester United's football club here. There we go. Uh, yeah, and they're just they've been accused of a lot of mismanagement and some questionable decisions as well. So um, I think if as long from their point of view, if they've got uh, if if something good happens this year with the Bucks, um, they they'll maybe be on side a bit in the wider sporting world. But no, I, I agree with your kind of analysis on that. I, I hadn't thought of the uh, the Bucks. I think the only one I really thought of was maybe the Dolphins after they'd taken Tyreek Hill, uh, Armstead as well. So if they don't perform in this year, they, I think there's a lot of teams that have maybe copied the Rams a little bit in the kind of win now uh mentality so i think the Dol- the dolphins i thought as well was maybe a kind of one to watch if they didn't have you know if, if they've got a losing record I, I think there could be a change if not in the back room then right up the top as well but no thank you very much for, for that answer that's true you can pretty much put every florida team in in that category right <laughs> every yeah, team in florida has got got some hot seat you know yeah, I mean, between the Dolphins and the Jags, yeah, I think the Jags, it's just going to be a fun year to watch the Jags because I don't think the Jags know. <laughs> the Jags don't know what's going to happen next either at this rate. But yeah, no, again, thank you very much for that. My my final parting question would just be if you have a current, um, you know, best or, or most exciting returner that you like watching in the NFL. Well, I, I, really, I really like Tyreek Hill when they let him return punts mm-hmm. just so so dynamic so fast so quick he's kind of been a victim of his success no, I think, they don't want to risk him i don't think they're going to use him very much as as a, as a returner these days you know to me you know nowadays i mean Devin hester was such an incredible returner he's he's kind of set the bar for everyone and you know i don't i don't think that there's a Devin hester in the league right now but a sleeper, someone that that I think can be really dangerous, is that uh, Turpin out of Dallas. The way that he played in the preseason, I saw him playing a preseason game against the Rams. He had a punt return and a kick kick return for a touchdown in the same game. He looked good, and he looked really good. He 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 dominated in the USFL earlier. And if they allow him, and the Cowboys have a good special teams unit, I mean they've had different players break off long returns last year. Pollard, their backup running back, scored a touchdown as a returner. So they have a good scheme. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, He's someone that probably people aren't giving a lot of attention to, and they'll probably kick to him early in the season. And and I think, you know, the element of surprise is oftentimes a a good way for people to, to make an impact early. Definitely want to look out for then Cavante Turpin, who's the the new number nine in Dallas. So he's certainly certainly got a good number to make a name for himself. Exactly. 
Well, thanks very much for joining us, Glenn. Really, really appreciate your time. Uh, it's just been an absolute pleasure having you here. Um, but just before we go, just one more thing from you before before we say goodbye. And can I get your prediction for Super Bowl AFC and NFC? Who's going to be facing off in the Super Bowl come February? I'm going to say Rams and Bills. Oh. And I'm going to say the Rams are going to repeat. Wow. Oh. You made one of us happy, at least. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. So I'm taking this, and I'm going to frame that comment on my wall right there. That's that's it. It's going to be, well, I mean, we've got, what, is it six days? Five, six days until the next, until the first game, and it's going to be the last game? That would be brilliant. That would be poetry. And, of course, the Rams to do it. There we go. I'm right here in LA, guys. What did you expect? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, quite right. Quite right. Well, listen, thank you again, Glenn, for your time. We really, it's its just been fantastic having you here. And uh, I hope you managed to uh, stay out of the heat too much. You know, I don't want it, don't want to get too hot for you through the rest of uh, the rest of the time. I hope you thoroughly enjoy the season. Um, and if you ever decide you want to come back on the show at any point, uh, please just uh, ping us a message and let us know. Uh, Glenn Milburn, thank you. Legend. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Cheers. Take care, thank you. So that was Glenn Milburn, um, as I say, a current NFL record holder, even back from 1995. What an absolute gentleman he is. Jake, what do you think of that? Well, it's just what a great year the 1995 was and, and what a great, you know, just moment for uh, for all of us. And we've all been excited, um, looking forward to this and try not to get too excited in case it didn't happen. But <laughs> to, to have someone like that so humble just gave us all the time in the world answered every question i mean cannot be thankful enough but oh, i'm just on cloud nine that was that was amazing everything i wanted it to be and more <laughs> it was dave did you uh do you have any uh other things i, I was i was do my best to to try not to ask every question that kept popping into my head every time uh, that glenn was speaking there I was exactly the same because I I had when I was uh, sort of doing a little bit of my own research where I I kept going on everything was growing arms and legs so I could ask him about this could ask about this uh, God this I'm just gonna, I'm ending up going to be a fangirl over it over the poor man so um, yeah I mean this that that was absolutely brilliant and to get the kind of first hand perspective uh, from someone who's been there and done it again and again I mean it's our podcast has made it, guys. We can We it's only downhill from here. We we cannot go any higher anymore. <laughs> I do you know what? I think you might be right. That, that we've yeah. peaked. We've peaked. That's it. Um, so thank you for everyone for uh, listening to this uh, very special edition, Friday edition of the WinFL show. And do you know what, guys? Next week, next week it's 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 game week. That's it. We'll be having our podcast on the Wednesday and the kickoff is on the Thursday. It's your Rams there, Dave. And work's going to be hell on yeah, work's going to be hell on Friday. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that that's I think that's really I I, I can't wait. I mean I I can and I can't because obviously we're the defending champions, so we've got a big target on our back. But and the bills are just immense looking. The bills are scary looking. Um, Um but you know. Just uh, get Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, Ramsey, get a bit of defence and then 
I think that you know I, I think it's gonna be close it's gonna be a one score game but uh, once once I see all the details finer details you will get a prediction on Wednesday quite right um, so we've got our week one prediction episode on Wednesday uh, also for those listeners here um next week we are also going to be doing our uh, very small guest slot on the Stramash podcast where we'll be talking about the upcoming season so I've got it's going to be a weekly uh, a weekly slot as well thank you very much Dave thank you no worries thank you for having me Jake thank you thank you very much exciting times absolutely and once again a huge massive thank you to Glenn Milburn and we'll catch you on uh, next week's edition of the Winnerfell Show <laughs>